Thank you. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Some giggling already throughout the congregation. I am Neville. I, for those who were there last night, I've got a twin brother. Some people within the group, um, within our gathering, got confused and eventually um, touched my brother up in, a, in an appropriate way. Um, but nobody look at Bridget at this present moment in time. Isn't it good when we can smile together and, uh, you know, not, not really take each other too seriously? Because he's the one that we need to take seriously, isn't he? He's the one who perfects our life. He's the one who uh, brings all things into order. I think we're about num- week number eight on our series, Why Bother? Or Church, Why Bother? Um, and uh, hopefully at the end of, of what I share today, you will see uh, why I'm passionate about the church. Um, and I find this series really beneficial. It's helped me to, to look outside just of some of the things that, that I have thought about. And uh, I've tried to listen attentively. I've tried to listen not just alone, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to us generally? But Holy Spirit, what do you actually want to say to me? I've made a conscious effort scribbling down some notes and uh, I'm thinking as we've went through each week and I want to commend um, Amy and David and Neil as they've led us through this series so far. If you if you haven't heard any of the series, I'd highly recommend it to you. And, uh, and that creates a little bit of a pressure actually as I stand up here today following those three. But uh, I really prayed about what, what, um, what God wants me to to, to talk about, as, as we say, we're, we're talking about the church, the ecclesia, the, the called out people who are passionate, um, who have been called out in such a way they're passionate to see transformation all around them. The word uh, ecclesia is mentioned over a hundred times in the, it's a Greek word, it's mentioned over a hundred times in the uh, New Testament. It represented many different gatherings or different groups of people from many different locations or places and many different, and at many different times and in many different ways who gathered around Jesus, whose conversation, whose agenda was Jesus and living out his values. And so that's, that's what the ecclesia looked like and, and, and their heart, the thrust of their heart was because their lives had been transformed. They were keen to see transformation all around them. These groups of people, the early followers of Jesus, would have met in public places. I know Neil has said that they mainly met at the city gates, but they would have met in public places. They would have met in private homes. They would have met in the marketplace. They would have met, as Neil has already said, at the city gates. They would have met in in all types of available spaces and uh, at all available times. Way back at the beginning when when I was first brought into Christendom when I was about 20 years of age, I I had the opportunity to go to Albania. It's one place I've been before Ronnie uh, got there, so I got there first, but uh, um, I went to Albania. And uh, on the Sunday, I was startled. I was startled with this. 
that their church service didn't start at three o'clock in the afternoon. Imagine no one had a church service at 11 o'clock in the morning in Albania. They met under the shade of a large tree that sheltered them from the scorching sun. I think I would have been, it would have been easier for me to meet under the shade of a, of a tree or under a tree as the ecclesia or as the church than it, than it would be for it to change the time uh, that 11 o'clock service. And as I say, their agenda was to meet, to listen to the overflow of Jesus in their lives and in doing so bring the kingdom here on earth into the sphere of society. It was brilliant yesterday being up in, up in the village, up in, in, in our village. And uh, my daughter's involved in a singing group, uh, speech and drama and singing. She's involved in lots of things, as, as most of you know Amelia is. But Jenny Chambers, they had the opportunity of singing across the village and singing across the people, faithful God, so unchanging. Unfortunately, in our Western world, we have reduced this word ecclesia down. And mainly, the reason mainly that happened was in the 1600s, the Bible was translated into English by the King James Version, and uh, King James himself was very particular that this word would only be translated into church because he wanted an element of control. Once he could control it, it wouldn't be out of, but uh, you can do your own, your own uh, research on that. But uh, the word church then, unfortunately in our society, has been reduced down to something we do on a specific day, in a specific place, at a, at a specific time, in a specific fashion that is comfortable to the majority of us. It's nice, comfortable space, isn't it? The space between 11 and half 12. We don't want to, to do anything too much outside the box. But whatever your and my preferences are, whatever the interpretation of this word looks like, the narrative of the New Testament was this. The early believers saw there was great value in meeting regularly and coming together as a, a united people to hear the voice of God. They had great value on that. Well, one of our early series as we moved from, transitioned from uh, drop-in community church to Grace Community Church was uh, doing life together. And that's what they did. They did life together and they understood the importance of that. Acts chapter 2 has been really in my thoughts as I have prepared for today. That part in, 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 in verse 40 or 42 or whatever it is, where they devoted themselves. And, and if you clump all those things together that they devoted themselves, you can read through that and realize what they did actually in, in essence was they devoted themselves to one another. Today I was to briefly look at the word vocation and uh, I really, I have notes prepared and I'm looking forward that we will go on in, in a week or two to that and, um, but I was really pulled back, I really felt the Holy Spirit pull me back on Friday and yesterday and to be honest with you, 
I'm actually very uncomfortable about that because uh, I'd rather just read off the notes and then it's much easier that way. But a vocation is something, a strong feeling of suitability for a particular career or occupation. Something you dedicate your life to. is something you wrap your, your life around. Um, and through our vocations, we are called to share and demonstrate the kingdom of God. It's the vehicle that, that God can use for us to do that. My experience is that when you live with a lack of understanding of your identity in God, the understanding of your vocation, your calling, your purpose, then can be extremely difficult. And uh, why is this important? It's important because the more and more I get to know God, the more and more I understand a little bit of his heart and some uh, and. Um, and somewhere where we want to end up in um, with this series is the word flourishing. Flourishing. And I've been thinking a wee bit about that too. We have many seasons in life. Life is full of seasons. I am, I am glad to have met an, another farmer here with us this morning. And uh, a message isn't a message without a, a farming reference in it. So it isn't. But life is full of seasons. And you'll have seasons where everything will, will be going well. And you'll have seasons where it seems to be dark and cold. You'll be seasons where you're planting and investing. And you'll have seasons in your life where you will be reaping and harvesting. But in all those seasons, my understanding of the Bible is one thing is this. God's desire for us to flourish within all those seasons. Proverbs 16 says, The one who becomes skilled in his gift becomes prosperous. But the one who follows, obeys, and trusts the way of God will be blessed beyond belief. Hands up who wants to be blessed beyond belief. And so I, I say a big amen to some of the stuff that David has shared with us this morning already. You know, it's not about our way. It's not about our thoughts. But it's about us capturing and catching his thoughts, his plans, and his ways. And, uh, and just as I share that, I suppose in some way, I just feel a sense that God is... Is, um, is leading us as a people as we continue to move under his guidance. We're not to be a people who, who, who get stuck. We're to be a nomadic people who keep moving with the presence of God. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to chat about that. But um, this slide, why bother as it has sat up here every week has bothered me. It has bothered me. It has made me ask the question, why do I bother? Why do I bother with this? And so uh, I asked Paul to do a wee bit of editing on it and uh, I thought I'd change it. Why we bother with church. 
I just really feel that, you know, in today's, in today's society we live, there's a lot of people who speak out against the church. There's a lot of people who are finding fault with her. And it really, I suppose, bugs me in a way. And instead of speaking out against that, I'm better telling why we bother. Why do we call, why do we bother with this bunch called the church, the ecclesia? Well, I could talk to you and tell you of many different experiences I've had with God. And, uh, and that's for a different, a different day, but many different experiences with God as I have met with many different groups of people in many, many different locations. Um, people who follow Jesus. And, um, but the one I love the most, the gathering I am the most passionate about is this gathering, Grace Community Church. Not because... And, uh, and I'll explain that why. I'm not saying we're God's gift to the earth. But it definitely is God's gift to me. And I want to do that by splitting this up this morning into three sections. I want to talk about my past. I want to talk about my present. And I want to talk about my future. Did you know your salvation is past, present, and future? past, God has done a work in your life. But God is doing a work in your life. And God will continue to do a work in your life. Let me... Um, for 13 years, I've been part of what is now Grace Community Church. It, uh, it was birthed 14 years ago as drop-in community church, and I have been here 13 years ago. But so for me to tell you a wee bit about my life, I'm going to play a short video. Well, I'll tell you something, man. People are like garbage trucks. Really now? How, how is that? Well, they run around with garbage, full of disappointment, full of frustration, full of anger. And when the garbage piles up, they need a place to dump it on. And sometimes they'll dump it on you. <laughs> but you know what? You don't take it personal. You just wave, smile, you wish them well, and you move on. Don't let their garbage spread to the people at work, at home, or on the streets. You love those who treat you right, and you pray for those who don't. See, now life is 10% of what you make it. The other 90 is how you take it. So if you had, a, um, if you had known me um, in my late 20s and early 30s, um, you'd have looked at me and said, from the outside, everything looks great. We bit like that guy in the suit. Um, I had everything, but um, things happened in my life in my mid to late twenties. Disappointments came along, and I thought life was kind of unfair. On the inside, I was full of hurt, disappointment confusion and insecurity. 
my life existed from one week to the next or maybe one week weekend to the next. I can't remember what it was like, but it wasn't great. And because of the different experiences in my life at the age of, of um, 25, between the age of 25 and 30, I carried all these things and didn't see, see it, but these things actually started to shape my life. I became extremely critical and hard, and I started to blame everyone around us. Everyone could see it but me. Just things were festering on the inside. We live in a culture where we love to blame someone else. We're always trying to find where the root of someone's problem is, where someone's difficulty has arose. We actually try to do it ourselves instead of sometimes just sitting down and taking ownership and saying maybe the difficulty isn't outward, maybe the difficulty is inward. And so when I got to the stage of blaming everyone else, I was part of a church at this time, and when I got to the stage at the end of trying to blame everybody else and nobody was accepting responsibility, I blamed the most obvious thing in front of me, the church. I became... um, the great fault finder of the church. You ever met one of those people? This is not right with the church, and that's not right with the church, and the other's not right with the church. And, um, and I didn't realize that I was walking around as the great judge of Jesus' bride, the church. Do you know we are, we collectively are the bride of Christ? We are his precious bride. That doesn't mean we're perfect, but it does mean we are his bride. I became so critical of her that at the age of around about 29 or 30, I abandoned her. I left her. And for a period of a couple of months, especially, I went nowhere. I didn't meet um, anywhere, it was a very difficult part of my life. So it was. I would get up on a Sunday morning and most I wouldn't go anywhere. But even the places that I did go, I went with the attitude, I'll slip in and slip out. I'm not going to commit to that again because that's let me down. That's hurt me really bad. And uh, as I say, it was a period in my life where I do not look back with fondness at all. It was uh, a very difficult time in my life. I knew Ronnie and Carlin. I've been on the board of Drop-In for very nearly 25 years. Um, And Ronnie and Carlin were great friends. And if Ronnie's not with us today, but... I don't know whether they noticed that was part of my life or part of my rhythm, but for a few months, maybe even longer, what church looked like for me was them inviting me around to their house every Wednesday morning or most Wednesday mornings, and we'd have breakfast and we'd pray together. The church started around about that time, drop-in community church, and a little bit about me, you'll see a bit of my my hang-ups 
It started at that time, Ronnie and Carlin never, they shared it from the point of view that I was on the board, but they never forced it upon me. Um, and they were starting a church out on the main road um, beside the drop-in shop. And uh, so I, they never asked me to come. They never asked me to be part of it or anything else. And I think it was maybe up and running for about a year. And, um, but I had decided in my mind that if I ever was going to go back and be part of a church, there was definitely no way I was going to go to a porta cabin and be part of a church in a porta cabin. One Sunday morning, those songs that David sang this morning, I'm desperate for you, I'm longing for you, was the songs that I was singing and crying out to God. And one Sunday morning I woke and, and um, I would have drive out to the end of my driveway, usually about 11 o'clock because I didn't want to go early anywhere and I didn't want to engage in conversation with anybody if I was going to go to church. And one Sunday morning, I drove out to the end of our road and I turned right. And I was heading towards Portadown and I, uh, the long and short of it is I, I called in at the Porta cabin. And uh, it changed. It was uh, the start of a big change in my life. I walked through the door. I didn't expect what I found. I didn't, ex and I, I can't explain uh, what happened that day. But from that day, I, I knew that it was important for me to attend there on a Sunday morning. And as time went by and, and, um, and God started to do a work in my heart, um, I committed a wee bit more and a wee bit more to it. I'd go a wee bit earlier and maybe chat with an odd person and maybe even, even like an odd person at the end of it all. And in those early days of being part of that church, we learned a lot about character. We learned a lot about commitment. We worshipped together. There was a young band of people who, who worshipped Jesus, maybe didn't have a huge theology, but they worshipped Jesus. And faith started to rise within me again. And I, I built a friendship with a new, um, a new community of believers. We learned that character needs to be developed in each of our lives. Have you ever heard this saying? Your gift will only go as far as your character will carry it. We learned through good teaching and been doing life together and committing to one another. By loving each other uh, well, we could grow in faith. And we could understand and start to understand God's purposes for our lives. We learned to, to, to start to fulfill our purposes in, in the kingdom of God. But in order to do that, we learned that there were some uh, vital things that we needed. We needed presence and we needed power. And we needed a people to journey with. We learned in those early days that, that what your life will look like is, is really like the people you surround yourself. And, we, 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 um, and so we, we learned that committing to each other and to each other's lives and, and listening to each other well 
that uh, God had a, a plan and a purpose for your life. I have another saying that I heard this week, which I thought was really good. If you want to go fast in life, go alone. But if you want to go far in life, go together. But the third thing that we, we, we found in the, in, 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 in the church is we committed ourselves. And this was hugely important to us because two years after we joined the church, we, we had a really difficult point. Both, and I say we because I'm talking about me and Joanne. And uh, Joanne and her life and her family and me and my life circumstances, we both had very difficult times. But we found we had a people to pray with. And that's why prayer is so important for me. Because you don't forget that. You don't forget the commitment that people had to us in praying us through in those early days. Uh, and, and they weren't just alone. We weren't just alone committed to them but they were committed to us. And so as we look back over our lives in the past, we're just so thankful for that. As we think of the present, as we think, why do we bother presently? Why do we bother with all this? What's our, what's our objective? Philippians 2 says that we are to work out our salvation. And when Paul was writing that, he wasn't writing to individuals. He was working, he was writing to the church. And so we get the joy of working out what our salvation is currently together. And that is a huge joy for us. Um, we, get to, we get the joy of seeing people take ownership uh, of their faith and ownership of their lives and growing in that. That's a huge blessing for us when we see people journeying in faith, digging in deep with God, making choices, stepping out in faith, and, uh, and you see the fruit of that um, all around us. We get the chance to come together and worship and pray and make much of Jesus. I love praying. I love worshiping on my own. But there's something that happens when a group of people when a, a body of committed people come together and pray and worship, there's a synergy that happens. And uh, we get reminded here, what I, what I love about this place is we get reminded of the stuff that really matters. The stuff that really matters, the, the stuff in life that really matters. We've, we've already pushed really hard into fostering and adoption. We have, um, we're pushing hard into seeing transformation in our community. We're pushing hard into prayer because prayer will change a nation. And, uh, and those are the things that really matter. Um, and so it's great. One thing that we also get to see when, as we're here presently, um, and this can kind of nip me in the toes an odd time, is that my view on topics aren't the only view. It's amazing how we establish a view on something and we think our view is the only way. And that, that continually stretches us. And uh, one of the big reasons that we, we love this place is because we get to listen to your stories and others' stories of how God 
is leading many in different ways. And what that actually does within us, and I'm speaking us, Joanne and I, it, it causes us to long for more. When we hear the story of what God is doing during the week in Balamina, and Jean's with us and Sam, and, and oftentimes we hear stories back down from Balamina. It stirs us. I know you listen to us, but it stirs us. But even stories within this room on a weekly basis. And so that's presently, we are so thankful for those things. And then future. I briefly want to talk about the future and why I'm excited about that. We're called as a people to push into the heart of God. We're called as a people to, to expect more. And, and as we listen to the stories of how God is leading people, our people, through their vocations, which we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks, the places God has you all on a daily basis, it inspires us to keep faith alive. See, faith needs to be alive within us. It doesn't need just to be a theory. Actually, it doesn't need to be a theory. It needs to be alive within us. A theory can come, but faith needs to be alive within us. It unsettles us. It, long, it, it, it helps us to long for more. And I love when, when uh, God stirs the heart of people in here. Like for injustice, to seek injustice. To care for those who nobody cares about. To help to bring freedom to the captives. And uh, as I said, that's all done in your daily lives. That's all done outside of what we do here on a Sunday morning. We get to come together and hear about those things. It really excites us when we think about the times that, that you're going to have to step out of the boat. When you're going to have to step out of your comfort zone. Because we're called to a journey of faith. We're not called to the comfort. And uh, as, you, as you push in with persistence, as you push in with faith, as you push in with, with courage. As I've said, that verse in Acts chapter 2 has, that word devoted, has really challenged me recently. And what I found in my experience, my experience of 13 years of, of being part of, of, of this, but it's maybe looked like different expressions over those 13 years, is that if we're going to take time to be inspired, if we're going to take time to be pushed on, we're going to have to take time, we're going to have to be devoted to listen to the stories. If you're not devoted to something or somewhere, you'd come in and you walk out again. Your head is not in the space. And so I think purposely when, when Acts chapter 2, that word, I think that was purposely put in to be devoted to something. 
All I can say is that um, we have found that this devoting to a place, to a group, has been an important ingredient in the foundation of our lives. We've thrown, we've thrown our lives into her. And she's been good to us. The church has been good to us. We owe so much to her. And that's why we bother. Ronnie ended yesterday, last night, for those who weren't at our celebration of 25 years of dropping. He ended with that um, Ephesians 3 verse 20. Now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can think or imagine, according to his power that is working us. As I listened to him read that verse last night, the one word that stuck out in that for me was we. He's immeasurably more than able to do all that we can ask or imagine. Was the writer, did the writer leave out the word I? Or did he purposely put in the word we? Because we have found in our journey, you cannot, maybe, maybe that's too strong. It's much, much, much more difficult to do this journey of faith on your own. And so that's why we bother.